If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 190 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on the 30th day of July for the final July episode in the year 2023. My goodness, my friends, is today going to be an action-packed episode? First off, I hope you're all doing well. It is the second-to-last day of July, which is absolutely bonkers. The fact that August is in a couple of days is beyond my comprehension, as time just continues to bolt on by, as it does such a good job at doing. But I'm going to start the episode off today with a big announcement. If you listened to the entirety of last week's episode... If you have the patience to sit down and listen to my crazy ass for about an hour and 50 minutes, you will probably remember that at some point in the episode, can't remember when, but at some point I was talking about having some big plans going forward for my summer and how that could potentially affect Yapping Yankees, that there's something big coming up. Well, I'm going to address that today considering it's only happening in a week from today. (laughs) So I think it's good to mention it today so that we don't drag it out any longer. I would like to announce today that for the first time since 2021, and this will only be my second vacation in the last five years or so, I don't go on vacation often. I'm a workaholic and I just, I stay home. That's just what I do. But you know, I've been there a ton of times, so I am extremely excited to announce that next Sunday I will be boarding a plane and making my return to Italia. Yes, thank you. Thank you for the applause. I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah, next Sunday, I'm going to Italy again. I will be going there for the second time since 2021, my 11th time in my life, which is so cool. I'm beyond fortunate to be able to say that. It is great. We have family and friends there, for those of you who don't know, and I always have an absolute blast there. Now... What does this mean for the podcast? Now, this is the part you guys are going to like, especially if you're Yapping Yankees diehards or just Mike Scudero diehards in general. Well, for those of you who are diehards out there, I am actually going to be doing what I did in 2021. If you have been listening to this show for years, since then or maybe even before that, you will remember that in the summer of 21, when I went to Italy for only 10 days, it was a shorter trip that year, I did a Yapping Yankees episode in Italy, and I'm glad to announce that I will be doing one there again this time as well. A Yapping Yankees episode from overseas. That is right, people. So next Sunday, since we're leaving at night, I'm going to be doing that episode still from my house here in New York, in America. So I'll still be here. We will be in Italy, of course. It'll be around the middle of the trip come the next episode on Sunday the 13th. That will be the day that I do an episode from Italy in our room. (laughs) So that'll be awesome. While I'm in the middle of southern Italy in Basilicata in my grandfather's town that he grew up in, I will have my laptop and microphone on hand and yours truly will be giving you an international 
Yapping Yankees episode. And of course, it'll be a little bit tougher to keep track of the Yankees while I'm there, but I always still manage to do a good job at doing so. I keep track of the scores. I will tune into the games if I can, because also not not only am I on vacation having the time of my life, like I do every time I go there, but you also have to take into account the time difference. For those who don't know, Italy is six hours ahead of the East Coast here in America. So, For 7 o'clock games, for instance, I probably will not be able to stay up for the entirety of the game, at least, at least keeping track of the score, because a 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern game is a 1 a.m. game in Italy. Now, the afternoon games are easier, because a 1 o'clock game here is a 7 o'clock at night game there, so what a night game usually is here, it'll be for me there when it's a day game here if that makes sense. So 1 o'clock here is 7 o'clock there. A 4 o'clock game, for instance, will be a 10 o'clock game there, so that'll also be pretty easy for me to at least keep track of the entirety of because I stay up very late over there with friends. So I still manage to keep track and stay updated with the news. So like with two years ago when I did a Yapping Yankees episode there, it should be all good for this year, and I'm very excited. Now, the day that we're leaving... That and coming home is going to be either the 20th or the 21st. I can't remember. But either way, since it is the end of the trip there, and we're either going to be getting ready to leave or spending time with family and friends or both and just really busy and preoccupied and getting ready to return home, Sunday the 20th, I'm not doing an episode. So that's the one week I'll be missing throughout this entire vacation. Only one week, and you will be getting an Italy episode like two years ago. So I think that's pretty cool to be my second international Yapping Yankees episode. The sound quality may not be as good because while I'll still be bringing my normal microphone and I have a very simple setup, I have a very simple setup here at my house. But over there, it'll just be my laptop and my microphone, but the room is going to be much more wide open, so there's probably going to be echoing, like a little bit of an echo, because my room surprisingly has, not surprisingly, it's a nice room and it's a lot more in here and it's much tinier, so the sound quality is going to be better because there's not much opportunity for echoing or just the sounds bouncing off the walls and everything, but the room being much more wide open there and the ceiling being higher and there being less furniture in there in the room in Italy, it's probably not going to be the best of sound quality, but hey, you're still getting an episode when I'm across the pond, so I think you're going to be okay with it, or at least I hope. If you're not, you don't have to listen. Nobody ever has to listen if you don't want to. That's the rules here. You know that. I'm not holding a gun to anybody's head. You don't have to like me. You don't have to listen to me. But if you do like me and you do listen to me, you know I appreciate you to the ends of the earth. That's how we work here. Very simple. Not complicated at all. So, that's my announcement. So, as far as the schedule, again, amidst all my excitement, (laughs) next Sunday I'll still be doing an episode, even though that's the day we're leaving. I'll be doing an episode probably really early on Sunday. I'll probably record in the late morning, early afternoon, which I seldom do. I usually like to record later in the day after the game and just relax throughout the day and then record in the evening slash nighttime and have it out to you later on at night. But probably really early next Sunday, so there will be an episode on the 6th. There will be an episode on the 13th. That's when I will be in Italy giving you an international episode. And then the 20th, there will be no episode, and I will be returning on August the 27th. And quite frankly... Until further notice, barring any sort of emergency or anything, I should be good from that week all the way through to the end of the season, postseason, whenever. Basically until the offseason. Because I don't really see anything else making me take off on any sort of a Sunday unless I'm to get sick or, you know, God forbid a family emergency happens or something like that. So we should be in the clear after the 20th. So, you know, I seldom take off as it is, but, you know, things inevitably come up and things happen. 
and holidays are here and you want to spend the time with family, which is very important. Got to remember that. So that's the deal. That's the schedule over the next few weeks. I cannot wait to go to Italy. I'm ecstatic about it. I'm just vibrating over it. I love going there. Cannot believe it's my 11th time going. I can't wait to see my family and friends going with my mom, her boyfriend, my lovely girlfriend, Victoria, and myself, of course. It'll be the four of us, and I just can't freaking wait. So next Sunday, when I talk to you, you will be talking to a very excited Mike because later that very night... When you guys are probably listening to the episode when it's released, I will probably be on my way to the airport already and getting ready to board our plane. And we will be on our way to Italy, and we will be landing there on Monday the 7th, and we'll be there for about two weeks, 14, 15 days. So I just can't freaking wait. So that's the announcement. Going to Italy again and giving you guys an international episode of Yapping Yankees once again. How about that? So that's the big announcement I wanted to make. So there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. You know what else is really exciting? Is that this past week in Yankee Land, yeah, this past week was still filled with its fair share of irritating moments, as have a great many weeks been, unfortunately, with the 2023 New York Yankees. But something did happen this past week that none of us saw coming, I think, this quickly. Now, I think a lot of us envisioned this taking place maybe at... At the start of August, any point within the first week, or maybe even a little bit after that. Maybe with some rehab games, whatever. But something really, really unexpected as far as this quickly and suddenly. And really quite amazing happened. And I've been talking for weeks that if it's to happen this soon, or maybe at the beginning of August, it would restore a good deal of my confidence. And it really has. Not that the work is completely done yet, because again, with the deadline in a couple of days, more work has to and should be done by the Yankees to give themselves any true shot. But this is probably the biggest step, a solid step one into restoring a lot of people's confidence, or at least a little bit of it. And that is the fact that we have gotten our captain back. Yes, that is definitely worthy of a second applause. Aaron Judge is back. And this completely changes the game. Obviously, we didn't think he'd be back quite this soon for something as quickly as the Baltimore series. There were even, there were even some whispers about him potentially being ready for the Mets series that just passed, but that was, you know, I, I didn't expect that to happen. I didn't even expect Baltimore to happen. I really didn't expect it to happen until at least the middle of this coming week or the end of this coming week. But It happened even sooner, about a week, week and a half earlier than I had anticipated. The sooner the better, and you want to know something? The freaking guy looks like he never even missed a minute. On the calendar, Judge was gone for damn near a full two months. And if you remember last week, and even some weeks before that possibly, I was talking about the fact that if he did not have any rehab games, I was saying he should be allowed to be in as many rehab games as humanly possible so he could have his timing back and really truly test his body out. I was saying that if that didn't come to fruition, I was going to be a bit nervous. I think he needs some time to get back into the swing of things, pun intended, because he's been out for a while. It's not a short-term injury. He's been out for almost two full months. But you know what? I'm glad to take the L on something like this, because in just a couple of simulated games, which, yeah, a lot of people do mention the fact that sim games in a lot of ways are just as good as, or in some ways even better than rehab games, but nonetheless... Still gets me a bit on edge, maybe even could have used some more sim games in my mind because of how long he's been out. But this guy came back. (laughs) 
not really much to my surprise. Really shouldn't act surprised over it because of how amazing he is. Guess I guess we needed a reminder about that. But not that I don't know how great Aaron Judge is, but you understand what I'm saying. I just think that he should have had the most time possible to play in real game scenarios, even more so, just to really prove the fact that he's ready to come back. His timing's good to go. You know the deal. But he comes back Friday night, goes 0 for 1 with three walks. And the one out, by the way, was not a strikeout or anything. It was a line drive right at Santander in right field. So that was the one out. The rest of the three at-bats, he displayed a batter's eye that displays someone who has not missed a single day of time. (laughs) He reached base three times after that on walks. So his eye looks just about as good as ever. And then the very next day on Saturday, after... On Friday, again, on a day where the Yankee offense was a complete disgrace on Friday night. The Yankees only had about a half a dozen base runners. Rizzo had a hit. LeMahieu had two hits. Bowers had a hit after pinch hitting for Rortvet late in the game. And then Judge had his three walks. That was it. So, of all of those, about seven base runners, I think, running it through really quickly, he made three of them. (laughs) So, nearly half of those base runners, almost nobody was on base that whole night. And nothing was going on for the Yankee offense. Did not cash in when they had to in any big moment that they had, particularly towards the end of the game in that eighth inning. He was a constant, constantly getting on base, which is what the Yankees have missed for so long. One of the most vital offensive stats that they have been starving for that has led to them being one of the bottom offenses in the league for some time now is the fact that they don't have on-base guys. Nobody gets on base. Look at what Aaron Judge is doing. He did that on Friday. And then last night... In his second game back, he goes 3-for-5 with a two-run shot that puts them in the lead at the time. (laughs) So, the situational hitting is there for sure. Had a hard hit through the left field hole as well. 3-for-5, getting on base, driving in runs, making things happen. The guy has 20 home runs in 51 games, guys. (laughs) Do you understand what that means? That basically means... That Judge has homered in almost half the games that he has played. Could you imagine if he was actually healthy this entire time and there wasn't some stupid cement slab leading up to a bullpen fence in Dodger Stadium? He would be literally challenging his own single-season home run record that he set just last year. This is insane. (laughs) I mean, I still think he could hit 35 to 40 home runs this year, even with the amount of time that he missed. He missed 42 games. It's a lot of time. And plus, he had that very brief IL stint earlier on as well, but that was very brief. So, combined, after doing the math, he's missed 53 games this year. That's quite a bit. So, the most that he could play is 58 games left in the season. He's played 51. So... If he played every day, which we know is not going to happen, especially with the Yankees being extra precautionary now now that he's not completely 100% pain-free, and Aaron Boone has already said that he's going he's gonna to be sitting a bunch of games, and at least four, I think he said, in the next bunch of games that the Yankees have without a day off. So 58 games left in the season, and he's played 51 now, so the most he could play is 109 this season. That's the most games he could play, so that's unfortunate. It really sucks. And we know that he's not going to play quite as many. But if, if he pinch hits later in the game, it still counts as a game played. So we'll have to see how many games he plays. But I'm saying the point is the most he could play is 109. 
So I think he could definitely hit at least 35 to 40 home runs still, even with that amount of games played, if he keeps up with this current pace. If he had a full season under his belt, he'd literally be challenging his own record that he set last year. He would be. That's insane to think about. When you see a season like that, and you say, if you see anything replicated or anything close to that anytime soon, it's going to be freaking nuts. And the fact that in the amount of games he's played, and even before his injuries, through 47 games, I think through that time, he was doing just about exactly what he was doing last year, maybe even slightly better in certain offensive categories. I think he had a couple more RBIs. So to, that thought is absolute insanity that that could even be possible. Unfortunately, now, obviously, because of how much time he's missed, it's not achievable to accomplish what he did last year, no matter what. But even through 51 games, having 20 home runs, that's, that's crazy. That's absolutely wild. So he's still continuing to just be the Aaron Judge we all know and love. Batting average sitting at 298 as well. Getting on base, slugging, hitting homers, the whole deal. Playing a great outfield. They even had him out in right field last night, which really surprised me. I didn't think we'd see him getting any outfield reps for at least some time now. But he DH'd his first night back on Friday when he was reactivated. And then he played right field last night, much to my surprise. He was removed later on in the game, though when uh, Greg Allen came in for him because the Yankees had a big lead in their 8-3 to victory, of course. And then Greg Allen played left field while IKF shifted over from left to right. So that was fine. Now today, there's a lot of conversation with Aaron Boone saying he's likely going to sit him, which, yes, listen, I understand, especially with Aaron Judge's case, the fact that he still says he's not completely pain-free. I understand the urge and the importance to give him rest here and there, but... The Yankees also right now, and you could guarantee that Aaron Judge, the way he is, wants to be out there as much as humanly possible. No doubt about that. I have no doubt about that in anywhere in my mind. I understand wanting to be extra cautious with him, how important he is, how much he means to this lineup, his mere presence, let alone how he's looked coming right off nearly a two-month-long injury, how terrific he still looks with his eye, how great his swing looks. Just his overall approach, it looks like he didn't miss a minute. And you want to maintain that as much as possible and be as careful as possible. I understand. But the Yankees are also right now, and they've done this to themselves, they are also right now in a position where they cannot afford to have him missing from this lineup too often. If I'm the Yankees, I just DH him. You're already giving him about a half a day off, per se, by doing so, while still keeping his bat in the lineup and his bat being the biggest one, of course, by far. And the Yankees need as much offense as humanly possible. So I know there's going to be a lot of meltdowns tonight if Aaron Judge is sitting. I'm expecting it. I'm not going to like it at all because I do think that he should be dh I'm not saying put him in the field because I understand even more reps and even more movement happens with that. And when you're at the plate, you're still swinging. You're possibly still running the bases if you're to put the ball in play or walk and then you have to run. Possibly. So I get that you're still putting strain on that foot, even if you do just DH. I'm not stupid. I understand that. But it's just too important of a situation right now. And I know if Judge gets hurt, then that undoes everything. And, and you know, you're dooming this team already as it is. I understand. I, I've weighed all of this in my mind. <laughs> I have. Every possible scenario you're thinking up, I've already mentioned or have thought of. But it's just simply too important. You can't do it. You can't completely sit him. Just don't play him in the outfield. Because the foot would be doing that much more work out there. If he's not out there, you're cutting out a lot of the work. And a lot of the taxing of the foot. So just keep him as designated hitter. I know it's tough. 
because we even just spoke about this last week about how after Thursday the Yankees don't have an off day until August 10th. I understand. It's tough. But I personally just DH him every day. Maybe just one day off and then pinch it later in the game, but that's like that's like my most. Maybe no, you know what? Even just one. I know some people will probably be saying, "Oh, it would make sense to at least sit him two, maybe just to get him that extra rest." I- I'm just doing one and then DHing the rest of the way. If it means, if you DH him, that he could play all the games, maybe but one, as opposed to maybe having him in right field sometimes and having to sit him down two, three, maybe even four. I'm just DHing him every day and sacrificing the defense. So that means we could have his bat more often because it's that important. The Yankees need that offense. They need it. Even yesterday, just yesterday, when they were down 2-1 to one after taking an early lead on a Giancarlo Stanton solo laser into left field, he comes up in a big spot and gives him the lead. And he continues to keep hitting after that. He just, he's too important. <laughs> We've been talking about for how long now, about how much of a heartbeat he is for this lineup. He is the heart of the team. You see a difference. You sense a difference when he is there. Even if he weren't to be doing anything right now and he'd be taking some time to adjust, which he is doing anything but, he looks fantastic as I've established. Even if he was taking some time to readjust and and really just get back into the swing of things, I mean, just his presence means that much. It does. Anyone within the organization will tell you that. You even heard IKF talking to the media after the game yesterday how important it is for the team to have Judge back, and you see it. On Friday, it didn't really seem to be that much because they didn't score a single freaking run, and he made up about half of the base runners they happen to have. So yeah, that wasn't a great look. So after that night, you were probably thinking, oh, having Aaron Judge back doesn't really do much, I guess, anyway. But Judge was there doing his thing. He reached base three times. The Yankees, one of their chronic issues, as I said, is that they don't have base runners. They don't have people who could get on base. Since he's returned, Aaron Judge has done almost nothing but get on base. It's just too important. So in a game that decides the series tonight, I really, I strongly recommend, not that anybody on the Yankees is listening to this, it would be cool if they were, but in case they are, by some wild stretch of the imagination... (laughs) I will say right now that I strongly, strongly recommend that he not sit. By the time you're listening to this, because again, right now, it's in the earlier part of the afternoon that I'm taping, as of today. The game's not on until 7 o'clock tonight, so this is way before the game starts. I strongly recommend that the Yankees do not sit him. At least D.H., have his bat in there at some capacity. And if you are going to sit him, please, at some point at the end of the game, at least bring him into pinch hit, which I'm sure the Yankees will do, because on days that they claim to be days off with certain guys in a big spot, they'll take him off the bench anyway. It has you asking, well, why why give him the off day in the first place if he was available the whole time anyway? And I know some people will say, oh, it's, it's not the same starting as it is coming off the bench. You're only having one appearance. I know. What do you think I am? Five? I get it. But it's just still stupid. To me, a day off is a day off. <laughs> so, whatever. Breakdown of communication, I guess. But he's got to be in this game at some capacity. He just has to be. He has to be. And watch the meltdowns when he's sitting, because I'm pretty sure the Yankees are going to sit him tonight. I'd be shocked if they don't, actually. So, regardless, though, if I haven't emphasized enough what it's already meant and what it means to have him back, well... It is just about as big as anything that could possibly happen for this team. 
especially in light of the fact that some organizations who a lot of Yankee fans were hoping the Yankees would trade with before Tuesday's deadline have now announced that they're probably not giving away said players, which has been really discouraging. But anyway, Aaron Judge still being back will do some comforting for a lot of Yankee fans, as it should, because I was literally predicating my entire opinion of the overall season on when Aaron Judge was coming back. I do think that Aaron Judge coming back needs to be met with even more work to ensure that this team could re-secure a wild card, therefore playoff spot yet again, because they're still out of a playoff spot as we speak today. But having him back is a big first step and probably the biggest in the entire process to really climb back towards a playoff spot because of what he brings, of course, in every single way. And he's made it known already with what he's done. It's really amazing to see how his swing really has not missed any sort of a beat whatsoever. It really hasn't. It's amazing. And how his eye is looking just about as good as ever, laying off pitches low and away, just really being smart at the plate in every single way, putting great swings on things. It doesn't look like his foot is giving him any trouble, at least as of now. It's only two games back. But it doesn't look like he's moving gingerly at all, or it just it seems like he's fully unlocked again, which is amazing. Absolutely amazing. 20 home runs on the season already, 20th being hit last night. And now the question you probably have for me, after how much talking I did about it for weeks, is probably whether or not, if I had to guess, my confidence in the Yankees making the playoffs has been restored. And if Aaron Judge plays like this, and as a result rejuvenates the lineup, which has been the real problem more often than not throughout the last two months for the Yankees, yeah, my confidence has been restored. I think they can definitely make the playoffs again. Do I think they'll make it far in the playoffs or win the World Series? That's another story. I came into this season saying that I don't think the Yankees could win the World Series, and I'm going to unfortunately stick by that notion. But do I think as long as Aaron Judge is on the field, and especially if the Yankees make additional helpful moves at the deadline, yeah, they'll make the playoffs. I'm confident in that. I will... I will go down saying that I do believe they will make the playoffs again definitively. My confidence is restored because I said if he was out until like mid-August, then it would be another story. I, I don't think they would make it. But now that he is back and you're probably saying it really makes that big of a difference to you, yeah, it does, guys. It does. This team went 19-23 and 23 without him. They were a four-game under 500 team without him with most vital offensive stats being near the bottom or at the bottom in the entire league. They didn't have any people get on base consistently, and you need people to get on base and score runs to win baseball games. I don't know if any of you know that. It's a big revelation, I know, but that's what's needed. So with him being back and how much he does that for the team and how much more the team flourishes with him there, it's a big difference. With him now, they're now 36-26, and 26, 10 games over, as opposed to being four games under. Quite the big difference. And they average more than a run per game with him in the lineup. More than a run per game. Almost two runs per game, as a matter of fact. Anywhere from like a run and a half or so per game. That's a big difference when it comes to one guy. That's what I'm saying, guys. Averaging maybe a bit over three runs a game without him, and averaging about five or so with Big difference. I mean, Jack Curry's been talking about it on the Yes Network forever. And so have so many others. The stats are all there for all of us to see. 
it's obvious what he brings to this team and the big difference that comes about as a result. It's very obvious. Doesn't even need to be debated. So Aaron Judge is back as of Friday and hopefully plays out the rest of the season healthy because with him, it obviously changes the game entirely for the Yankees and for the opponents, the way they go about facing the Yankees in their lineup. It changes everything. Now, the Yankees are still amidst a very tough stretch. They're going to be finishing up their series in Baltimore tonight, which is also why I think it'd be vital that Aaron Judge is in tonight's lineup, even if he is just DHing, because if you could take a series in Baltimore, the first place Baltimore Orioles, that would be awesome if you could do that. It's a big series. Every game for the Yankees is of paramount importance right now. If you could take a series against Baltimore in Baltimore, that would be epic. Then the Yankees get to come back home starting tomorrow, going right into a new week, last day of July, as we head into August midweek with a three-game series against Tampa and a four-game weekend series next weekend against the Houston Astros. So the Yankees are still amidst their very tough stretch we spoke about last week. They still are. Which is why winning games like this It's just too important. You can't let them pass you by. These are the games that you have to win. You have a golden opportunity at winning series against two divisional opponents who are way above you right now. You got to take advantage of it when you can. You have to. Three games against Baltimore, three games against Tampa. If you could go four and two at least in that span, win both series, that's awesome. And if you could somehow somehow pull out three out of four, maybe, against Houston next weekend, you're probably thinking about the Yankees in an entirely different light by the next time we speak next Sunday. If they win the series tonight against Baltimore, and they win the series against Tampa, and they somehow manage to, well, I'll say at least split against Houston next weekend, but even win three out of four, which would be awesome, If you could somehow win three out of four against Houston next weekend after winning this series and the next series against Tampa, you are looking at the Yankees in a different light when we speak next Sunday night. Like that rhyme? So, then after that, you have three against the White Sox and finally another day off. So, guys, this could be... (laughs) I'm just very confident right now because of Aaron Judge. It'd it'd still be the same, like, you know, it's whatever. I don't really see much happening, kind of Mike coming at you today if Aaron Judge weren't back. But I stick to my word, guys, that if Aaron Judge were to be back anytime soon, anytime before mid-August, really, my confidence would be there. And it is. They still have more work to do. I would like to see some stuff done at the deadline, which we will talk about later on in the show. May or may not be today's social media segment, as it should be, because the deadline's only two days away now. So time is running out for the Yankees to make any sort of external improvements, meaning players from outside the organization, obviously. But this is a colossal first step, Aaron Judge being back. Especially because to start the week against the Yankees and Mets, just for more evidence, the Yankee offense was still looking just about the same. I mean, after Tuesday night with that disgraceful loss, 9-3 to against the well-under-500 crappy New York Mets team. Guy who covers the Yankees by the name of Chris Kirshner. I'm sorry if I botched your last name, Chris, but he covers the Yankees very, very well. I really like the guy. Follow him on Twitter. Give him a follow. He tweeted out after Tuesday's game that it was the 37th time 
this season that an opposing starter, that night happened to be Justin Verlander, had gone at least six innings and had given up two or less runs. And that surpassed their season total from 2021. So that is really... Because 2021 was a pretty brutal offensive season, if you remember. That was a painful year to watch the offense that year. It was really, really tough. And they surpassed that in July for a stat that was for the entirety of the 2021 season, which was a disgraceful offensive season as it was. They've already passed that this year in July. The only one that's worse (laughs) so far is that it happened 41 times in 2022. And with Aaron Judge back now, it has me feeling a lot better. But with it still being so close, it's entirely possible that that number could even be eclipsed. It's only a few away, barely a few, with two-plus months left to go of baseball. They are on pace right now for it to happen 59 times, which is embarrassing doesn't even cover it enough. It just it doesn't. But again, with Judge being back, it helps. It does help to really feel like that that pacing is going to go, I hope, significantly down. I'm sure it'll happen at least 41 times if it's only about a couple away with two-plus months left to go because with or without Judge, the offense is still going to have its brutal days. It's, it's inevitable. That happens to every team. It's just even more likely to happen without Judge. But with him now, hopefully that pacing number goes down because 59 would be horrible. My God. So that's the news, basically, and that's mainly for the reason that I have the episode title being what it is, just like that, because just like that, Aaron Judge was back. Just an announcement saying, oh, we think that he's going to be ready for the Baltimore series. Just like that? Yeah, just like that. And also just like that, here's an idea. Take a shot every time I say just like that. You'll be dead in the next five minutes. But also, just like that, bottoms up, just like that, some people's confidence, such as my own, restored. At least partially. (laughs) Because the Yankees still have holes that they need filling. For sure. But at least partially filled. Because just changes everything, guys. Absolutely everything. So why don't we get to what else has happened with the team before we cover this past week's games, which we only really have four games to recap because today's game isn't until tonight. They had off Monday and Thursday, so just two games against the Mets and the two that have been played in Baltimore so far. So the weekly recap may be a bit shorter this week. But let's get to some Yankees news. So first off, we'll talk about some roster things because some roster stuff did happen. First off, on Friday, Willie Calhoun's rehab assignment ended. We do know that a couple of weeks ago he started it. We mentioned that. So he came off the injured list, and they did DFA him, which obviously, whenever you DFA someone, it opens up a 40-man roster spot as well. So Calhoun has been DFA. Now, that doesn't mean he's automatically gone. That just means that a team could pick him up for virtually nothing now. Claim him off waivers. But if he's not claimed, then that would mean the Yankees take him back and he would just be routed right to the minors. Now they'd have to re-add him to the 40-man roster if they want to bring him back at any point, but I don't blame them for DFAing him. And listen, I appreciate the fact that there were a lot more times that Willie Calhoun surprised me and he did a lot more offensively than I ever expected him to. I mean, he started out being an absolute disgrace, but eventually... He actually started contributing offensively decently at times, 
And that's where the whole thing Willie Bangs comes from because I believe Aaron Boone originally said that. And then, of course, because of the sexual innuendos that come from that, all those dirty-minded people, a lot of Yankee fans just took off with that. (laughs) But so there were actually times where he bought some good things to the team offensively, especially in times where the team needed offense desperately. Downside being is that he did have his slow moments. He didn't really play a lot of defense, couldn't really play a lot of defense. It was good to have him as another lefty bat on the team, but he wasn't anyone extraordinary that the Yankees absolutely had to keep around. So because of these factors, you know, he's not like God tier or anything, and there are probably other bench options that are equal to or better than him with the bat, and he doesn't play a lot of defense. So I don't really blame them for DFAing him. If he does get picked up and goes elsewhere, then all the best to him. No hard feelings towards him at all, obviously. Didn't do anything bad here. Not a bad person. So... I wish all the best for him, whether he ends up back here in the minor leagues, off the 40-man, or elsewhere. But Willie Calhoun has been DFA'd right after he got off the IL. Then, after that, the next big announcement, of course, as we have well covered here today, the biggest story of this past week, I think it's safe to say, is that Aaron Judge was officially reactivated on Friday, and Oswald Peraza was optioned. Which is sad, because Oswald continues to be completely jerked around, being brought back up and sent back down, and... It just sucks. It really sucks to see. Hopefully, he can get some consistent time, more consistent time here going forward. Uh, if they if they don't manage to do that, then honestly, again, I wish they would just trade him so he could get time elsewhere. It's just really unfortunate. Maybe the Yankees making any potential moves at the deadline could see him having an opportunity to play here more consistently because obviously if he's just going to sit here and rot on the bench, then that doesn't do him any good either. He might as well get more reps in the minors, but... I do feel he belongs up here. He doesn't do a lot of hitting, but he does at times. He comes through at times. And he also has a stellar glove, plays really good defense. So he does have potential value with this team, and the Yankees have been saying for a long time how they see him and Volpe being the middle infield at some point in the future. So, I don't know. Listen, there are a lot of rumors about how the Marlins are interested in Glaber Torres. And listen, if Glaber's to leave, then that opens up that position. And you could do what you will with Volpe and or Peraza and have them be the middle infield and finally give Peraza some consistent time. But if you're not going to do any of that and find consistent time for him to be on the Major League roster, this guy does not belong in AAA. He should get an opportunity elsewhere. And you should find a way to deal him in a package, in a trade package, which sucks because I'd like to see what he's got consistently with the Yankees in the big league club. But if he's never going to get a true opportunity here then it'd be irresponsible to let him rot away in the minors. That's always been my opinion. It still is. So it's unfortunate to see him sent back down. We'll see what comes of him in the coming weeks, especially after the trade deadline. If anything in the infield is to shift around, we'll see. But I would definitely, if you don't have any plans for him, significant plans going forward, I would definitely just deal him in a trade. If it could be a big trade piece that gets the Yankees a big name back in an area of significant need, then it's something that they should look into. So those are really the significant roster moves that took place from this past week. As far as injury news elsewhere, we got to do an injury report every single week. Otherwise, we'd be irresponsible as Yankee fans who constantly have to deal with injuries, finding out what is going on with everyone else. It is big, obviously, Willie Calhoun, even though he was DFA'd, he's off the injured list. Aaron Judge is off the injured list. So the Yankees continue to get guys back slowly but surely. One that we need to mention as well is Mr. Cortez. This is going to be how I start off my July 30th injury update because Nestor, guys, is getting really close. 
We've been saying for weeks now that he's due back likely in the first week of August. That's obviously right around the corner, and that's starting to come to fruition in my eyes. Because just a couple of days ago, on the 28th, he did pitch four scoreless innings in AA, so another rehab start for him. He only gave up two hits, one walk, and he struck out five. It was his second minor league rehab start. Again, he threw 49 pitches, 36 of them strikes. Boone and everybody else are saying that he looks really, really good, so that's very encouraging. Granted, yes, it's just rehab starts. It's the minor leagues, but I'd rather you look good down there than look bad (laughs) if I had to choose. So they're saying his next rehab start will probably be in the pitching range of 50 to 60, so he's just revamping back up because he's been out for a long time. So he'll just keep climbing up and up and up with that pitch count, 50 to 60, and then when he comes back, he'll probably be around 70, I think. So I just really like how positive they are about him. Hearing that his breaking stuff is good, Changeup is good. Fastball is good. The cutter looks great. That's good to hear. And I have to imagine he's beyond Dancy to get back because he's been throwing for probably, oh, I don't know, maybe weeks now, multiple weeks. So he's got to be just about ready to come back. (laughs) And he's really close to doing so. So they say that he should only have about one more rehab start and then he should be back. So... It's going to be really nice to have Nestor back in the rotation eventually. Now, who leaves the rotation? Well, that's another story. We've spoken about it could be Clark, Herman, and if he has any more struggles, could possibly even be Severino. It could be. I mean, we'll see, especially if anything's to happen at the deadline, because a lot of people have mentioned wanting to get rid of Sevi, which, especially if they don't have any plans to re-sign him, I definitely don't think would be outrageous. I think tonight's start, he is starting tonight, ironically, This could be a big decider. If he has a disastrous start tonight, and I wouldn't really think the Yankees would go down this route because they want to stick with Severino in the rotation. They just, I think they just think he could figure it out. But if he has a disastrous start in as vital of a game as tonight is, that would not bode well for him. Potentially for the trade deadline if they're to give him away there, for re-signing, or just staying in the rotation period when Nestor comes back. Because if Severino's a disaster yet again tonight, I'm going to be honest with you, I take Severino out of the rotation. Sorry, I know that might not be a popular opinion, but I just think Severino, since he signed that four-year deal with the Yankees, has been such a disaster between injuries and and just the way he is now heading towards an offseason that will decide where he goes, whether it be re-signing with the Yankees or going elsewhere, likely elsewhere if I had to really think about it, especially because he and the Yankees have had higher tensions in the past when it comes to negotiating money and things like that, but... Honestly, I would just cut the cord here if he has a disastrous start tonight because that would be really bad on the stage where this game is as important as it is. So, tonight could be a big deal. It is in my eyes, personally. Uh, If it were up to me, if he has a horrible start tonight, I'd start to look around at, you know, not only just him being the odd man out of the rotation when Nestor's to return, if he's still around, but also even trying to package him in a trade somewhere. I mean, he probably wouldn't bring back a lot, especially because you're talking about a pitcher who is often injured and since coming back from a long injury now is most, for the most part, doing a horrible job on the mound. He definitely wouldn't bring a, about a large return, but I would consider, you know, try moving on from him now rather than just letting him go in the winter, in my opinion. But, so we'll see what happens there. But regardless, again, the main point being Nestor. 
is very close to being back. Probably just one more rehab start. That'll do it. And then you'll see him back. And again, he'll be on a pitch limit, as to be expected. He's been out for some time now. Almost two full months by the time he's back. Just about two months. So we'll see. But I'm very excited to have Nestor back. Hopefully he comes back looking really sharp. Another one who's really on the cusp of coming back, and we spoke about him a lot after he threw that live BP to Aaron Judge last week. But Johnny Lowe. Another big arm to get back in the bullpen to potentially re-add to the back end of that pen, which has seen its struggles in the last couple of weeks or so. We know that. And I also mentioned last week about how the Yankees were talking about how he could start a rehab assignment as soon as this weekend or next weekend at the time, which is now this weekend. And they held true to their word because today he is expected to have a rehab assignment in single A Tampa. So his first outing, for rehab today. And Boone said he'll likely need like three or four outings, and they would like for one of those outings to be a multi-inning appearance. So it'll still be some time, maybe a couple of weeks, maybe. But he's getting really close too. He's getting there. So that's a big arm to get back. A lot of people have mentioned for this deadline they would like to see the Yankees get a bullpen arm, and I'm not saying re-adding is the same as getting a new arm, because I don't want to sound like Brian Cashman being like, oh, we're getting this guy back. It's basically the same as a trade deadline. So I'm not looking to sound like that. It's the last thing I want to sound like, as a matter of fact. So I'm not saying that. But to get Luizaga back around that time is still a big deal, because that is someone who you could re-add to the back end of that bullpen. And we know what Luizaga does when he's healthy. And he has missed a lot of time, hopefully... This was the annual IL stint, and for the final push of the season from here on out, he can prove to be a reliable arm because when he's back out there and he's healthy, whether you like it or not, that's a big arm to have out there in the back end of the bullpen. It really is, and it would really do the Yankees a lot of good to have another guy out there who they could really turn to when certain other big arms are either injured or struggling, which the struggling has happened a lot the last two or three weeks, so... It's another great arm to add to the back end of the pen. And being a big Loisaga fan myself, while I'm still very frustrated that he has these annual IL stints that usually last for at least a month, <laughs> and this one's lasted for even longer than that. He's been out for a long time. I mean, he experienced his uh, soreness in his elbow back on April 7th, and we're almost in August. So one of his longer injuries, to be sure. But coming back for that final run in the second half, that is... A great thing for the Yankee bullpen. Great thing. So Nestor and Luizaga, two big arms returning to help out a staff that has overall already been solid for this Yankee team. Overall, gone through their bouts of struggling here and there, especially the bullpen of late here and there, but it's bound to happen every now and again. The main problem is the offense. We have established that more often than not, it is the offense. The rest of the guys are obviously... Still just either to be determined, no specific return date as of yet. Guys like Frankie Montas, who is still convinced he's coming back at some point in the second half. I I don't really care whether or not he does, and if he does, he better be fully healthy. And I just think he'd be better off being middle relief, multiple innings in the bullpen, honestly, after missing so much time. And you have Ryan Weber, who is just TBD. Every single time you see his expected return, it's TBD. Not much information on him. Luis Heal still working his way back from his Tommy John surgery in May of 2022. And obviously guys like Trevino and Scott Efros and Trevino behind the plate, they're all out until at least 2024. So no updates on them, obviously, beyond what we already know for a while now. So that's your injury update, guys. 
Also told you about the roster moves that have been made this past week. Not much crazy happened. Obviously, the biggest thing being that Aaron Judge, the captain, just like that, bottoms up, has returned. And why don't we hear about the specific in-depth details beyond what I've already given you in the first half of the show about what it's been like since he's been back, and even before that with the two games against the Mets, what happened there with the weekly recap segment. Again, a bit shorter this week because just the two games against the Mets as well as yesterday and Friday's games against Baltimore because, again, tonight's game can't be recapped because it hasn't happened yet at the time I'm recording. It's not happening until 7-10 tonight. So, only four games to recap. Yapping Yankees time machine back to Tuesday. Let's do it. Okay. So, I gotta explain something right now. This may or may not confuse some people. I've done this plenty of times before on Yapping Yankees, but when I fired off that sound effect to trigger the Yankees weekly recap segment here on Yapping Yankees, I actually have been away for hours. (laughs) I stopped the recording because my cousin came over, and I just got done hanging out with her. So, it is now, at the time I'm taping currently, it is around 9 o'clock at night. Before, I was taping earlier on in the afternoon. She just left, and now I'm resuming the recording. So, now that it's later at night, a lot has changed. <laughs> First off, the Yankees are currently losing 9-3. to Harrison Bader literally just hit a sack fly. And uh, things are going disastrously in this game. And uh, basically, the game was over before it even began. Because the Yankees went down 1-2-3 against Dean Kramer in the top of the first who they have never been able to do anything off of, bafflingly so. But nonetheless, remember before when I was talking about how important of a start this could be for Luis Severino? Not only because the trade deadline's around the corner and the Yankees may or may not potentially get rid of him at the deadline, maybe just for a bag of Dorito chips at this point, basically, because his trade value is probably underneath the ground as far as value and what he would mean for any other organization. But he completely and utterly crapped the bed. The sheets, the mattress, are so soiled that it now has to be sold for no money. This guy came out before you could blink, before an out was recorded, made it 6 nothing Baltimore. Capped off by an Adam Frazier three-run shot. So, before the Yankees even have a chance, I mean, yeah, they had a chance in the top of the first, and Stanton missed a home run by a few feet right down the left field line, but before they could even have a chance, another chance, I should say, at putting any runs up on the board whatsoever, even if they are without Aaron Judge, because I was I was right before, turned out I was correct, didn't really take a rocket scientist to be correct about this, after the way Aaron Boone spoke about it, but they did end up sitting Aaron Judge, because the Yankees are just not a serious organization. You finally get your ultimate difference maker back from injury, and the explanation for it being completely nonsensical, I'll explain why, and you decide to sit him. Explanation for it being, because he was rightfully questioned by the media, well, if you want to sit him, then why not at least DH him? Well, his answer was, your premise there would suggest that they're the same. I would disagree with that. I think we would all disagree with that. Getting ready to play a major league game right now and going through all your pregame to be prepared at 7 o'clock, you would hope that there's base running that follows that as well. While it's not playing right field, it is still playing. He's talking about DHing. 
Again, we're talking about him not being 100% with the toe, but just as much as that, he just hasn't worked up a lot of volume of stuff, whatever in God's name that means. But this is actually... This is actually exactly what I was talking about before, funny enough. Remember before when I even mentioned, oh, even if you pinch hit him later on in the game, which now there's no point in doing that because it's a damn blowout. But if you were to pinch hit him, at least, then... But even if you DH him, you still have base running after that and whatnot. I even mentioned that before, and this genius mentions it in his interview that he has, and he's trying to explain the ridiculous reasoning for sitting Aaron Judge. So... You have him available off the bench and available and available for potential pinch hitting. Yet, the reason that you say he's not is because he's not starting, meaning, is because of pregame prep and the fact that there would be base running or potential base running. So, even though, yes, granted, it would be more at-bats if you start the game, obviously, you're willing to pinch hit him. So you're willing to put him in the game at some capacity if the situation warrants it. So in that situation, you are also risking there being base running too, but you're willing to do that? What is the difference in your logic being, oh, maybe, you know, it's better to have him with one at-bat. It's safer one at-bat than three or four. What are we doing? (laughs) You really expect anybody to take you seriously? Come on, man. If you're willing to bring him in at any point whatsoever, start him! Just start the guy. I could guarantee you Aaron Judge himself wanted to be out there. You need this guy. And even when the Yankees started to go down, when it was 3 nothing at first, I'm like, okay, if they at least cut it off here, you know, Luis Severino sucks too much to do that. But if they cut it off here, then maybe, just maybe, with someone like Aaron Judge in the lineup, they can come back in this thing. And they even had some innings throughout this whole thing where... They seemed like they could mount a comeback. They had bases loaded with Higgy up at bat at one point. But you're missing that kind of a presence in your lineup. That's the difference. Now, I'm not going to make it seem like this is only, you know, not having Judge in the lineup issue. Because, realistically, Severino put the Yankees beyond down to the point where they could not even dream of getting back into this game. This game is on Luis Severino, 100%. It doesn't change the fact that sitting Aaron Judge is completely nonsensical. (laughs) It doesn't change that fact. I just don't know with this team, man. And again, there's another instance. I was saying before, confidence restored with Judge being back. Well, this game obviously doesn't count towards that because Judge isn't in this game. So I guess I wasn't really wrong about that as far as saying my confidence has been at least somewhat restored because he's back. Well, he's not even in this game, so I guess it doesn't qualify for today. Just a completely nonsensical explanation. Pre-game stuff and potential base running, even though that could still exist in a pinch-hitting appearance, which they're willing to do that. I, I, I don't, I just don't understand it. Completely nonsensical rationale for explaining why you're not at least DHing him. I, I just don't get it. And there's also been a lot more trade deadline stuff, which again, right after we recap quickly here, we'll get to all that. But. Just another move was made just a few minutes ago before I kicked up this recording again because, again, it's after 9 o'clock now. So I'll try to have this episode out to you guys as soon as possible. But, yeah, there's an absolute travesty going on with the Yankees right now. I'm not even watching the game right now. Usually while I'm recording on a Sunday night, if there's a Yankee game on a Sunday night on ESPN, I'll have the TV on in my room right next to me just with the game running. TV's off. I'm not even watching. I'm not even watching. 
especially right now with uh, Ron, I'm just not going to throw strikes this year, Marinaccio on the mound. I just have no interest. I, I don't. Luis Severino allowing six runs before even recording a freaking out. Final line being three and a third, ten hits, nine runs, two walks, ERA up to seven and a half. And that's another thing, by the way. I guess this is appropriate discussion to have because we're technically doing the recap segment right now, and this has all happened today as of now, so I guess I don't have to recap today's game because we all know what's going on. But my patience with Luis Severino is just about over. I think the Yankees got to cut their losses right now. Cut it off. End it. Enough. I've seen enough starts where this guy, when it's very important to not do so, he just completely completely craps the bed. Completely. I have never seen with us with probably I'm not saying necessarily this is the end of the season definitively because the Yankees are also fortunate to have had a lot of other losses take place like the Blue Jays lost today the Red Sox lost today. So as far as the wild card race with teams in front of you like that it's very fortunate that the Red Sox and Blue Jays actually lost, so you're not going to lose a game on them. But it would have made it that much sweeter if the Yankees could have won tonight because they could have gained a game on them. But as usual, they don't take advantage when they could. That's why this team is where they're at, along with the fact that they're just not very good. But just a disgraceful game. Absolutely disgraceful. In a game where you really could have just a lot is on the line. Most important game of the season up to this point. And Luis Severino just goes out there and gives up nine runs. Six of them before even recording an out. It's an absolute travesty. That was one of the worst first innings I have been witness to in my time watching a baseball game. With a game that has the meaning that this one does to come out and do what Luis Severino just did. I don't think he can start another game. The Yankees will have him start another game. That doesn't mean it's right. He shouldn't start another game. As a matter of fact, like I said before, I would be willing to trade him as soon as possible before Tuesday's deadline to any team that would be willing to take him for a bag of air at this point. I'm completely over it. Give us a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos and let's be done with it. Get rid of him. Luis Severino has a little to no chance of re-signing after the season is over anyway. He should not be re-signed by any means. He has been awful since returning from injury. There is no supporting points to bring this guy back once the season's over. This start was very important for him. Probably one of the most important starts of his career to date outside of any playoff start that he's had. I'd say one of the more important regular season starts he's had. And I've never seen a pitcher do worse in such a big game. I've almost never seen it in my entire life. Nine runs in three innings. Three and a third if you want to get technical about it. Six runs before recording and out. I'll repeat it as many times as I have to. Because it's truly a disaster. Absolutely Horrible. So the Yankees are going to lose another series that would have been huge to win, especially considering, again, the Blue Jays and Red Sox in front of them both lost today. So another missed opportunity to take advantage. 
and what would have been a very nice series win against the first-place Orioles, especially considering the next week that the Yankees still have in front of them, Rays and Astros without a day off until the 10th. Tonight would have been a really nice win. Would have been very nice. But they choose to sit Aaron Judge. They also sat DJ LeMahieu, who, as we've mentioned the last week or so, has actually started to show signs of coming around a little bit. Well, they chose to sit him, too. They're just not serious, guys. They're not serious. They do it to themselves. Do you understand? They do it to themselves. And again, I know that this game is on Luis Severino completely. I will not debate that. I understand. But it's just a matter of principle. Putting out a team that gives you the best chance to win a major game. And the Yankees didn't do that. And Luis Severino just went out there and just decided, I'm going to throw one of the worst starts of my entire career on a day where the Yankees could really afford an awesome win on a very important day. It's fine. It's totally fine. Anyway, let's recap. Let's go back to Tuesday. Uh, Not going to hear anything better with this game because uh, actually... The final of that game was ironically the exact same score that it is right now in the Yankees and Orioles game. So there's that. How about having that kind of symmetry in life, huh? How often do you hear that kind of stuff? So this game was an absolute travesty as well. First game against the Mets, complete and utter embarrassment. Domingo Herman went out, went six innings, gave up seven hits, six runs, one walk, and struck out nine. So he got a lot of strikeouts. But he just did not throw his A game. He just did not. All the scoring that went on for for the Mets. Pete Alonso had himself a hell of a night. Was responsible for the first five runs. RBI single, three-run homer, solo shot. Daniel Vogelback, solo shot. When you give up a home run to him, that's when you know you don't have your stuff. That made it 6-0, a solo bomb to right center field. It just kept on adding after that. Jeff McNeil, RBI single, made it 7-0. And the only runs the Yankees got on the night were three unanswered runs at the time. Anthony Volpe, RBI double, Giancarlo Stanton sack fly, and a Ben Rortvet RBI force out when he grounded to Jeff McNeil at second. After those three things, it was 7-3, and the Mets added on two more on a two-run double by Jeff McNeil. Final score, 9-3. Embarrassing loss in Yankee Stadium to the New York Mets. So only three runs then, and then only three runs in the second game, but fortunately the difference in the second game, after Justin Verlander, just completely carved up the Yankees yet again, like he always does in the first game. Difference in the second game was that three runs was enough to win it this time. Carlos Rodon took the mound, and he uh, his command was still pretty off. Walked three guys at a bad hit-by-pitch to Jeff McNeil, which McNeil was not happy about, but Rodon was a class act about. When McNeil was even running back to the dugout, Rodon kept on asking if he's okay, and he even apologized if you read his lips properly. So hats off to Rodon for that. He definitely didn't mean it cool of him to apologize and all that, but outside of that, I guess the start was pretty good. Five and two-thirds, four hits, only one run, did walk the three guys, struck out four, so he didn't look fantastic, but he was definitely a better start than the one in Anaheim, where he blew a kiss to the fans, definitely improvement over that. Then Michael King had to finish his sixth inning, and then, or, you know, the inning that Rodon started in the sixth, and then three shutout innings after that, were thrown by Wandy Peralta, Tommy Canely, and Clay Holmes. So the bullpen locked down. It's only one run given up. That was that one run that Rodon gave up in the top of the third, a sack fly to Nimmo. But otherwise, the Yankees scored three on an Oswald Peraza fielder's choice that drove home 
DJ LeMayhew made it one nothing, and IKF with a sack fly driving Bader home made it two nothing. And then when they were up two to one after Nimmo's sack fly, Volpe got an RBI single in the bottom of the fourth, made it three one, and that was the score that would remain until the end. Thanks to Rodon finishing off nicely and the bullpen holding things down. So the Yankees managed to split, thereby splitting the entire Subway Series of 2023 because they also split in City Field. Against the Met team, they should very well have won at least one of the series with with a two-game sweep. I don't really think that's a lot to ask against a Mets team that is well under 500 and vastly underperforming for the most part. So... I tell you, though, it was such a safe bet predicting that they were going to lose against Verlander on Tuesday because when has that not been a safe bet? Verlander has always carved his initials into whatever Yankee lineup he's faced the last bunch of years. So that was a very safe bet to say that they would lose on Tuesday. I went into Tuesday saying they were going to lose. And then Wednesday was kind of a coin flip. I thought the Yankees might win that one. So I wasn't surprised they managed to win that one. Thank God they did. Thursday, of course, was an off day. Their last one until the 10th, like we've said a bunch of times. First game of the Orioles series, the return of Aaron Judge. He tried his best. Hit a line drive to right field in his first at-bat, right at Santander, unfortunately. So that was his first at-bat. And then the rest of his plate appearances, he managed to draw walks because his his eye was just great. Looked like he didn't miss two minutes, like we were talking about before. So he did all he could, doing what the Yankees have not done for the vast majority of the last two months, and that's get on base. He tried his best, but nobody could bring a run home if their lives depended on it. As a matter of fact, it stayed scoreless the entire game. Garrett Cole threw another gem. Seven shutout innings. Three hits allowed. No walks. Five strikeouts. ERA down to 264. Should probably, eh, no, definitely be close to or at 15 wins by now. Probably close to 15 wins, if not for all the games that the offense has robbed from him. That could have been wins, but ended up being either losses or no decisions. Another gem, absolutely wasted. Gets a no decision for his effort. Bullpen did a very nice job after him. Michael King got two outs in the eighth. And Wandy Peralta would finish off that inning. And Canely got an out in the ninth before giving up a walk-off solo shot to Anthony Santander. Yankees lose one nothing. Wasting a beautiful Cole start again, and Cole's pitch count was higher up towards the end. He would end up finishing the game with 110 pitches, but he did everything he could to make sure he locked in those seven innings for the bullpen, man. He really gave it his all. Had some solid contact against him at certain points of the night, but you know what? Still gave it his all, and he turned in a beautiful performance ultimately, but didn't get a win for it because the offense, collection of corpses, Again, Judge did his best, got on base multiple times, three times. DJ had two hits, again, more about how he's been a bit better lately, but they sit him and Judge today. That's a great idea, obviously. Rizzo had a hit. Bowers had a hit when he pinch hit for Ben Wortvet later on in the game. And that's it. Pathetic offensive night, despite Judge being back. Fortunately, last night they bounced back. Last night was a very enjoyable game. Clark Schmidt... Managed to go five innings, so not great length, but enough to get the win, enough to keep the Yankees in the lead at the time. Gave up five hits, three runs, one walk, and two strikeouts, so not not a lot of strikeouts in his start, but at the very end of his start, when he was in big trouble, at risk of at least having the Orioles tie the game to finish the fifth inning off, he got out of trouble. 
kept the Yankees in the lead, and the Yankees never looked back, so credit to him for that. Credit to the Yankee offense for doing their thing off of Tyler Wells. And as a matter of fact, after this, I believe Wells was demoted down to double A. <laughs> so there's that. Started off right away hot in the top of the first. Stanton hitting a laser into the left field seats for a solo shot. His 14th home run of the year as he inches closer to 400 career home runs, which is very cool. Bottom of the second, they unfortunately answered right back to the Orioles. About an inning and a half later. Ryan Mountcastle solo shot and then Ramon Arias... RBI single, put him in front 2-1. to one. This is when in the top of the third, the man, the captain, Aaron Judge, with his 20th home run of the year in about 50-51 games. 20th home run, put them ahead. Go-ahead, two-run shot, made it 3-2. Very clutch, great to see. Home run stroke is still there. Glaber Torres, top of the fourth, sack fly, made it 4-2. And then Santander added on one more run for the Orioles, which would be their last in the bottom of the fifth, off of Clark Schmidt. RBI ground out, and then the Yankees just piled on after that. Kyle Higashioka, solo shot, made it 5-3. And then Isaiah Kiner-Falefa up two runs with the bases juiced. Bases clearing double for IKF, driving home Judge, Stanton, and Rizzo, making it 8-3, which would ultimately be the final. And I was uh, feeling pretty good after last night. Aaron Judge hitting a home run, going 3-for-5. Lineup looking rejuvenated. Schmidt turning in a respectable start. Bullpen looking good. What reason was there to feel like crap, right? Well, today. <laughs> That's basically that. Still down 9-3 in the sixth inning. That's really all that needs to be said. I already gave you what happened in the game so far earlier on. There's no really, no real sense in talking about it at this point anymore. Marinaccio is still in the game. He's thrown more than two innings at this point, because why not? Why not? They're not winning this game. Another blown chance to really, uh, I don't know, go seven games over 500 again and take advantage of the fact that the Blue Jays and Red Sox lost, and just sucks. Really sucks. So you're caught up. That's basically it. Like I said, quicker recap for this week. As far as recapping this past week outside of just today. But that's basically it, guys. I'm just really discouraged at today's game because they really they really could have put their best foot forward and Luis Severino could have decided not to have one of the worst outings of his entire life. But here we are, down 9-3. That's how it goes. So I guess we should just move on to the social media segment, especially in light of all the trade deadline stuff still happening even as we speak. As recently as just about 15-20 minutes ago when I just booted up this recording again after spending hours with my lovely cousin, which was a nice break from things, but now i got to talk about this crap again. So, a lot of trade deadline things have happened, so it does modify this question, and that's why I don't like to ask trade deadline-related questions or even answer deadline-related questions from other people until it gets to be a bit closer because so many things happen and it changes a lot of discussions and it just changes everything. So what I had for you today was an open-ended question for the social media segment, and since the trade deadline is only a couple days away, I figured, why not ask about the trade deadline? Because that is probably the most important, immediate thing about to happen in the baseball world. So the question, quite simply put, is, what moves, if any, do you think the Yankees should make before Tuesday's trade deadline? Obviously, the deadline is in the middle of the day on Tuesday, the 1st. So any moves the Yankees are to make by the deadline, should happen within the next 48 hours, less than 48 hours now. And in my opinion, listen, it's tough because even 
certain moves the Yankees were said to be sort of interested in. Well, today that's changed, even just as recently as today. Because Jordan Hicks, the St. Louis Cardinals relief pitcher the Yankees were looking at, along with their outfielder Dylan Carlson. Uh, Jordan Hicks is a Blue Jay now, so he's off the market. Jordan Montgomery was dealt to the Rangers today. Don't think the Yankees were looking back into him, but still interesting nonetheless. Monty returns to the American League. And just about 20 or so minutes ago, another outfield potential option for the Yankees, Randall Grichuk, who was notoriously a monster Yankee killer in his time on the Blue Jays for years. He's been on the Rockies, of course, now recently. And he was just dealt to the Angels along with C.J. Crone. So, C.J. Crone, off even though the Yankees weren't looking at him, they were looking at Grichuk, but... Grichuk is now off the market as well. So another potential outfield option off the market for the Yankees. So you have Jordan Hicks, a potential bullpen piece, who I was pretty big on. It throws very hard as a nice breaking ball, just walks a lot of guys and gets himself into a lot of trouble. So I'm not down for that. We have that enough in Ron Marinaccio, I think. But wouldn't have been a horrible, horrible acquisition. I just don't really think the Yankees should prioritize bullpen, especially with Luizaga on his way back. That's a really big arm to get back. That's just me personally. I think they have other needs. Even though the bullpen had been, you know, they've been struggling for like the last three weeks or so at times, but I just don't really think that's really on the upper list of priorities for the Yankees right now. I would think that finding an outfielder, since the Yankees don't have a left fielder, they haven't for some time now, someone who could add to an offense-starved lineup, I would think that that would be the main priority, personally. Uh, I don't think the bullpen is really up there as far as priorities are concerned. They have been the strength of the team for the vast majority of the season up to this point. They've been understandably burnt out at certain points. I don't think that should be held against them. I think that should be held towards maybe at times the starting rotation for not giving proper length. Injuries there have hurt them. You know, Rodon's been out until just recently. Luis Severino doesn't give length at all. Luis Severino has stunk since he's returned. Nestor Cortez has been out. And, you know, inevitably the time or two where Garrett Cole didn't give much length because he's not God. He can't turn in gems every single time. He's going to have his rough patches too. So there are certain times where the bullpen has had to work a bit more or just maybe even due to poor bullpen management. That's a thing too. So the bullpen's been understandably burnt out a bit, and maybe that's led to some of the recent struggling. They've been a little bit better the last few days, but I don't really think that it's on the list of upper top echelon priorities. I just don't think it is. I think you need to be looking at a left fielder primarily. Now, obviously the major choices I think of right away are guys like Juan Soto, which I just don't think is going to happen, especially now. I I just don't think it's going to happen. People putting together these laughable trade packages saying like Glaber. Let me see. I think I had one today like Glaber, Severino, Cabrera, and who else was it? Uh, There was a fourth name there I can't remember, but it was just a completely, I mean, come on. And I think the package was for Soto and Blake Snell. Blake Snell, one of baseball's finest pitchers this year in Soto, a generational talent for Glaber Torres, Luis Severino, Oswaldo Cabrera, Oh, and Estevan Florial, that's who it was for, who's not even on the Yankees' 40-man currently. And nobody picked up when he was DFA. Nobody even picked him up in waivers for free virtually. So, I, come, it's just laughable. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Some, some Yankee fans have got to get real with these trade packages. But regardless, I've come to accept that people like Juan Soto aren't happening. And 
Also, there's Cody Bellinger, who I was mentioning a lot, especially lefty hitter, could really take advantage of Yankee Stadium, solid defender in the outfield. But the Cubs announced that they're hanging on to him, so Bellinger's not going anywhere. If you wanted to maybe partner up Jordan Hicks in a trade package with Dylan Carlson with the St. Louis Cardinals, well, Jordan Hicks is off the market now. Randall Gritchuk is off the market. So you're looking at potential guys like, I don't know, like Lane Thomas on the Nationals I'm seeing mentioned, maybe packaged with Heimer Candelario for the infield because he plays third and first primarily. He's a lefty hitter, so he could help balance out the lineup even more in that sense. Not too big on Candelario, although I wouldn't hate getting him. And Lane Thomas, pretty good with the bat, having a good season. So wouldn't be brutal, although I, I definitely think the Yankees could do better. I mean, it also has the complicated thing about the deadline is that if other teams aren't willing to deal certain guys, like, yeah, I would love Juan Soto. I would love Cody Bellinger. But if the teams aren't willing to deal him, then they're not willing to deal him. There's nothing you could do, especially if they're hearing out other teams and their trade packages and it's just really underwhelming in their eyes, then they just choose not to be dealing their players. There's nothing you could do. So, I don't know. The options are running out. And if Cashman is planning on doing anything, there was even a report the other day that came out that he'll probably wait until the final hours before the deadline to even do anything, which is typically what he usually does. So I'm not surprised there, but the longer you wait and the more the options continue to fly off the board the more the Yankees are just likely to do something completely underwhelming, like get Dylan Carlson from the Cardinals, who doesn't appeal to me at all. I'd mentioned him on the show before a few weeks ago, how he's a below-average hitter. Yes, he's young with some upside, but he's nothing to write home about at all. Definitely not going to move any sort of a needle as to propel the Yankees to any sort of incredible heights. I mean, come on. Who are we kidding here? So there's him, or, or that they're just not going to do anything. It's either one or the other. So, I really don't know. I guess I guess with Jordan Hicks gone now, I don't want anything to do with D- Dylan Carlson. So I guess, and Randall Grichuk now, I was going to mention him, although the problem with Grichuk too is that having played with the Rockies, you do have to take the Coors Field effect into consideration. The fact of how much Coors Field inflates certain statistics for certain players, almost all players. It's it's a known it's a known factor. It's not a myth or anything or just something that people like to talk about. But so with even Grichuk off the market, which was a somewhat appealing choice, I guess my eyes for now turn to seeing what the Nationals would be willing to do for a trade package with the Yankees for someone like Lane Thomas and or Heimer Candelario, I guess. There's really nothing else to do at this point. It's tough. Especially with Bellinger being announced by the Cubs to not be traded. I I doubt Soto's ever going to happen. Randall Grichuk gone. Jordan Hicks off the market. Don't want anything to do with Dylan Carlson. I'm very, very confident the Yankees will end up doing something horribly underwhelming like Dylan Carlson. And we'll have to deal with all the people trying to rationalize it and come up with any sort of positive about him. I understand he's young. I understand there's potential upside. But of the four years he's played so far, guys, he has been an around-average hitter or under-average hitter in three of them, I believe. Definitely at least two. And he's been in the league almost a few years now. I just—he doesn't appeal to me. He doesn't. Low batting average doesn't do much with driving in runs, hitting home runs, doesn't get on base too often. It just—do the Yankees need another guy like that? The answer is no. 
The Yankees need guys who will move the needle, who will do work with the bat, who will play good defense, especially in left field, because left field defense has been horribly lacking, regardless of what the Yankees try to lie to you about when it comes to that. Remember a while back, they said that they feel left field defense hasn't been bad. (laughs) As if we don't have functioning eyeballs. But anyway... I mean, you just don't need a guy like that. The Yankees, one of their biggest problems is they don't get on base and they don't drive in runs. The last thing they need is an around average or below average hitter. They just don't need it. Just doesn't appeal to me. So I don't know. I guess I'm contacting the Nationals at this point and seeing what the deal would be for Elaine Thomas and or Heimer Candelario. I don't know. But Lane Thomas obviously taking priority because he plays the outfield. I don't know. I don't know, especially with names flying off the board now. It's just, it's tough. It gets tough towards the end of the trade deadline, but we'll see what the Yankees will do. Let's hear what some of you guys are suggesting. I'll read some replies here. Let's start off with at baseball Tzar saying, Bellinger or an equivalent, not Grichuk. I like Duvall too. No way the Red Sox trade him to us. Yeah, Duvall's not going to happen. And Grichuk, yeah, just came off. I know I posted this prior to when Grichuk was dealt, so that's fine. But yeah, not going to get him anyway. And Bellinger announced that he's not moving. So, not going to get Bellinger. Any sort of equivalent or higher would probably be Soto to me, which also is just not going to happen. I I don't know. It's really tough. At Musician DMD, Spencer says, We've exhausted the need for a left fielder or outfielder. It's practically the default answer. In my opinion, the Yankees should shore up the pen with another middle reliever. As effective as they've been as a whole, they've been unpredictable to the point where on pins and needles whenever any of them enter the game. I think the Yankees should do all they can to make the playoffs this year. We can't just resign to prepare for next year's postseason because it's not guaranteed. The Yankees should be buyers, and I fully expect them to buy. Well, buy what? That's the question. And the outfield may be a default answer, but it's because they need an outfielder. They've needed a left fielder since before the offseason when they decided not to address it. And it's bitten them in the ass a lot of the time now that they didn't. All of us going nuts in the offseason saying they need a left fielder. They chose not to upgrade there. They didn't upgrade anything about the team. Anytime you ask the Yankees about what they did in the offseason to make the offense better, which is the main point of discussion after getting their asses handed to them by Houston, they'll say... Oh, we called Volpe up, which, yeah, that's a difference. So, called Volpe up. Okay, what else? What else is different? Oh, we re-signed Judge and Rizzo. Absolutely musts, but they were on the team last year. It's not a change. It's re-adding. What else? Catcher's the same. First base is the same. Second base is the same. Shortstop, that's the Volpe edition. At third base, still got Donaldson slash DJ there. IKF is another... Utility option, still around. Judge and right, Bader and center. Nobody in left. Nothing changed with the lineup other than Volpe. Oh, we're getting DJ back from injury. Not an addition, not a change. You're re-adding. That's my point. So I don't know, man. It's an area of need, but like I've been saying, is there really anybody around anymore who's either been announced to not being moved or just has flown off the market already? Is there anyone left, really, that would really move the needle for the Yankees and really vastly improve this team? I'm, I don't really think so. So either, in my opinion, nothing significant is going to happen, nothing that will truly change anything for the better, or maybe Cashman will pull off one of his 
completely unexpected, not really sensical moves like the one last year, like the one that none of us saw coming. I mean, yeah, it's had its good moments with Bader, but like the Bader and Montgomery trade, who the hell saw that one coming? Like one of those super random trades that Cashman pulls off sometimes. Maybe something like that will happen again. Who the hell knows? But all I know is that he's got less than 48 hours to do it, and he's lost some decent options. So, see how it plays out. Let's continue onward. Rebecca at Peace Now for Life says, Hi, Mike. I'd love to see Juan Soto here as he is not a rental and his bat would make a huge difference in lengthening the lineup. Would have loved Arenado too, but reports are he's off the table. Yeah, Arenado, there were some rumors linking him to LA, the Dodgers at one point, but yeah, I don't think he's moving. And Juan Soto, yeah. I mean, Rebecca, obviously generational talent, left-handed batter, terrific fielder, all the nine yards. We know Juan Soto. Had some down times, confusingly so, the last couple of years, but he's still Juan Soto. I mean, it'll be a dream. And I think it's unfortunate we're going to have to remain that because I just don't think it's happening. But yeah, I hear you. At Cashman Sucks NYY. <laughs> I think I said it in a prior week, but I love that handle, man. Says a good outfielder, maybe a bullpen arm. I don't know, man. I, I guess I'm alone in this. I don't really, I don't think the Yankees desperately need a bullpen arm. I don't think it's like a desperate need. Not as much as they need another hitter slash outfielder. Like a solid hitting outfielder. I just, I don't think it's nearly as big a need as that. I think the offense is really the problem. And left field defense has been a part of the problem too. Good hitting left fielder solves a lot of the problems. You know, if, along with certain guys like Rizzo and so on finally waking up and doing what they're supposed to do. That's a big part of it too. Just the offense as a whole. Anyway, we've spoken about all that beating it to death. Let's continue. At Laura underscore Iceman says, I would love to see them get a left fielder, but I don't know if that'll happen. Otherwise, I'm clueless. <laughs> Fair enough, Laura. Especially with all the options flying off right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really tough. It's really tough. At Rebirth Chaos 09, my friend James. James says, I think the Yankees should trade someone like Glaber because I don't see the Yankees signing him long term. I think with Cole, Judge, and Rodon here... Long term, I think you need more of a retool around the team for Judge. This team needs a massive overhaul fast. I'm glad someone brought this up. Because I did briefly mention earlier on in the show, I think, that the Marlins are heavily interested in Glaber Torres. Now, Glaber being traded has been a topic of discussion for some time now, even prior to the season starting, if a lot of you will remember. A lot of people have always tossed around the idea of trading Glaber, trading Glaber, trading Glaber. I've said that if it's for the right person and if it's for a package that is really obviously and objectively good for the Yankees and it addresses certain areas of huge need, that I will consider trading labor. Problem is, is the importance that Glaber has brought to this lineup this year. If you want to talk about all of the mental mistakes and all of the plays that happen in the field, or even at the plate, or on the bases even, where it just seems like he's just not paying attention, the focus isn't there. Fine. Because I get it. That crap drives me insane too. You know it does. I've gone on this show and screamed about it before. About how I wish Glaber would just pay more attention at certain times. Because sometimes you just feel like his head is just not in the game. It's elsewhere. But the issue is, is that particularly offensively, he is a top second baseman 
in the sport. I'd say top five or top three. And that is a bargaining chip the Yankees should use when they're talking to other teams. Like, listen, Glaber is one of the better second basemen, especially offensively, in baseball. So I want to see a handsome return in exchange. And they should say that. And if it's for a good enough return and it addresses an area of need, particularly replacing that bat because he has proven to be one of the more important ones in a time of great inconsistency the last couple of months. Glaber has been one of the very, very few, if any other, shining spots in the entire lineup. It's just tough to give that away, especially with the Marlins. I've heard that they'd be willing to return two pitchers, young pitchers with a lot of control, Many years left of control and a lot of upside, plus two other prospects. And a lot of people are saying, oh, it should be an immediate yes for the Yankees. Well, the problem is, is that if it's only pitchers, what are you getting back to fill the void in the lineup left by him? I know you just got Judge back from injury, but what are you doing to fill the void from Glaber? Because like him or not, Glaber has become an important bat in the lineup in 2023, being one of the only sources of stability and effectiveness at the plate for the vast majority of the season when the rest of the lineup, more or less, throughout the last two months has done crap. That's my point. So it would have to be for a good enough return, and there definitely has to be a solid bat in there as well to compensate for losing the bat that you're losing in Glaber. So it's complicated. The Marlins have shown strong interest in him, and if the Yankees do end up dealing him, then that can rearrange the infield a little bit. A lot of people have mentioned maybe giving IKF more reps down at third base, and if Glaber is gone, you could move DJ over to second, or you could maybe bring Peraza back up and have Peraza in the middle infield with Volpe. Do what you will there, even if, even if you switch them for a while, which I don't see happening. I think they want to keep Volpe the shortstop, but people have mentioned put Peraza at short and Volpe to second. And then you could just keep DJ down at third if you're not shifting him back to second. Give IKF more reps down there at third where he won his gold glove. Or you get someone like Heimer Candelario from the Nationals and put him down at third. So you could rearrange the infield if Glaber's not there anymore because Donaldson's hurt for the rest of the year. Glaber would be gone. That clears up the infield a lot. But in order to trade Glaber, you would need a handsome return. And you also need to find out a way if you actually consider yourselves to be a championship caliber team which I think we all know this team is not at this point in time you need to find a way to replace that bat somehow where are you getting it from you getting it from the Marlins you're going to do another move after that to reacquire another bat that could lessen the blow of losing someone like labor offensively these are things that have to be decided So with Glaber, it's complicated. If it's a good enough package and you have a plan to make up for losing that bat and it addresses areas of dire need, I would consider doing it. I would. But it's also very tough to lose and a lot of things have to go right for that to happen. Otherwise, I wouldn't pull the trigger on that just yet. It's tough. Really is tough. All right, up next we have at Yankee Ken saying Jordan Hicks from the Cardinals, Candelario and Lane Thomas from Washington. Well, yeah, this was posted before Jordan Hicks was dealt. Yeah, Jordan Hicks no longer an option. He's a Blue Jay. Candelario and Lane Thomas, that's what I mentioned. If you want an additional infielder, Candelario. If you want an improvement to the outfield, at least probably the best one remaining out there, Lane Thomas, yeah. At Tommy V. Art says bowel movements. That's it. So silly, guys. 
at Javien114 saying, left field, not sure for who, since Bellinger is locked. Yeah, I know a lot of people are betting on Bellinger, and I don't really blame you, you know? Bellinger was a really appealing option. A lot of people also mentioned how his father Clay was a Yankee for a little while, you know? That could have some appeal for some modern-day athletes if their parents played here. Maybe it's a good place to play. Follow my parents' footsteps a bit. Bellinger's moved around a little bit. So, why not, but... The Cubs have announced amidst their latest winning and Bellinger being a big part of that, they're not going to move him. I do think that he would have fit very well in Yankee Stadium. I think it would have been very good for his bat with the right field short porch because the Yankees have still not figured out getting very many left-handed hitters who could take advantage of a stadium built for left-handed hitters. Pretty incredible, right? And he also would have gotten you some solid outfield defense. But it is not to be. Some people have also mentioned the idea of moving Harrison Bader. Now, this might surprise some people because I've been a really strict Bader defender. Uh, But not only has he slowed down quite a bit lately, I'm not turning on him or anything. I still like Harrison Bader. I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's been bad lately. (laughs) He's been objectively bad, yes. Overall, though, I certainly think he's had a lot of respectable moments here. The injuries do not help his cause, of course. I'm especially mentioning the playoffs, and when he first came back from injury this year, he made a big difference. Lately, it has not been pretty for him. And especially when people talking talk about re-signing him, I've kind of avoided that because I want to see how the season plays out before making that kind of a decision or having an opinion on that. But if he is going to continue to get hurt, and his production is going to continue on the track that it has lately the last couple of weeks or so, um, I would actually consider not bringing him back. Even if it means getting a considerable return for him, even at this deadline. I know he still provides you good center field defense, so that complicates it. He did show some some restraint the other night. I shouldn't really call it restraint, actually. Um, it was when a ball fell in against the Mets. It was at the beginning of the game. I think it was on Alonzo's single. Everybody was converging in, I swear to God. Bader, Bowers, and McKinney that night on Tuesday. I was just telling them, I even even tweeted it, I said, are they mute tonight? Multiple plays where McKinney, Bader, and Bowers either crashed into each other. I know Bader caught a ball to end an inning and he and Bowers hit into each other. And there was miscommunication where, where Volpe was running out. And then all the outfielders were converging in and they all just like pulled up and stopped freaking running. Like nobody was communicating. Like speak, talk. (laughs) Like, what are we doing? So there are times where even Bader makes his mistakes in center field. It happens. But overall, he's still good defensively. Not really really doing much with the bat lately, so that complicates it. But if it were to bring about a good return, like a solid return, I, I would consider trading Bader. Again, like with Glaber, You would have to have a plan where you replace, especially in Bader's case, the glove in the outfield. Where else are you getting the glove from? Who are you picking up? So, it's tough. And I definitely would be very hesitant to re-sign Bader after the season's over. That I would definitely... Even if you're not going to trade him at the deadline, that's fine. Whatever. Hesitant to bring him back. But that's a discussion for months down the line, of course. A lot can happen between now and the end of the season. I just got a notification from Bleacher Report. Yanks, Phil's looking for bats. Well, you might want to do something soon, Cashman. You're running out of time and options. 
Just an idea. At Krang44 says, after last year's abomination, maybe it would be better if Cash didn't make any moves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All those moves just down the drain. Either hurt, gone, or just... <laughs> yeah, basically hurt or gone, pretty much. At Joey Niren FL says, I want either Helsey or Hicks from St. Louis or any of Grichuk, Lawrence from Colorado. Well, Grichuk's not happening. Helsley's not going anywhere. And Hicks already dealt. So, yeah, there's that. At Greg Marsh 64 says, Soto for Peraza, Pereira, and Warren. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. At Talking Rivals saying, Trade Sevy. With the starting pitching market as hot as it is and limited options, the Yankees can trade Sevy for a pretty good return. With Cortez returning soon, a starter would have to go to the bullpen anyway. Plus, Sevy is not returning next season. God, I hope not. But I also know I'll give you a break because I do know that this reply was posted at around 12 noon. This was hours before tonight's abomination with Luis Severino. But even before tonight, I really don't think Severino would really give you a great return because he's been a guy who has often been injured and for long, long windows of time at that. And he's had his difficulties, especially coming back this year. So I don't know how much he would bring back, especially after tonight. Trade value is probably nothing. One of the worst starts I've ever seen from a starter in a very important game ever tonight by him. Absolute disgrace. So, but again, I do know that this was posted before tonight's game, so I'm cutting you slack there. But Sevy, you're not getting anything in return. That's why I basically just said a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos because that might even be a bit too pricey. But yeah, that's another factor. I've, I've said it. With Nestor coming back soon, someone's there's going to be an odd man out in the rotation. And honestly, before even Clark or Herman, I'd probably make Sevy that odd man out. I, I've said it many times. I, I understand that when I said it as far back as two or three weeks ago that it might be an edgy opinion to have. But I'm sticking by it. I would make, especially after tonight... I don't think Severino should start another game for the New York Yankees. I definitely think that Sevy should be the odd man out now. I'm, I'm going even more in on that opinion now. So, I guess that's that there. But yeah, I do not have a problem with the trade Sevy suggestion. I definitely think he should, he should be gone. Let it go. Enough. At Reeves Hickman says, left field relief for certain. Yeah, the left field, that's uh, been a need of theirs for a while. At Viarena57 says, try to get two high average hitters in any position. Well, higher average position would probably work for left field, not just any position. There are certain positions where the Yankees don't need to improve, so you just can't say any position. But, okay, so no one specific? Well, a higher average hitter for the outfield, I think Lane Thomas is hitting in the 280s. Is that to your liking? You got to look at more than average, though, man. I definitely do value and consider batting average, but you got to look at more than just that. It's not all about that. Do they get on base, too? I know I'm starting to sound like the movie Moneyball now, but it's appropriate. It's a good question to ask in a year where almost no Yankee hitters get on base very much. So do they get on base a lot? That's another big thing. Got to create traffic on the bases first and foremost, and you got to get them in. That's how baseball works, right? I mean, I know it may sound silly to say something as obvious as that, but <laughs> sometimes it just doesn't need to be that complicated. It is just baseball after all. At Pathfinder 11209 says the Yankees are a bad team and no moves will make them competitive with good teams. 
Well, yeah, especially now with the more names that continue to fly off the market. It's starting to feel more and more like that. It's tough to disagree with that. But yeah, even, even in general, yeah, to a certain degree, it's tough. At XPukeX <laughs> says, Bullpen, closer would be nice, and a legit left fielder. I'll take IKF at third for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mentioned IKF at third. You know, he does have a gold glove there. He plays good defense there. Would be a brutal suggestion. The bullpen, I just, I don't, I don't see it as a big problem, especially with Luizaga coming back like literally any week now. <laughs> I just, I don't see that as one of the bigger issues. I think the Yankees have a lot more offensive problems and left field problems than bullpen issues. It's just what I think. I think the Yankees have plenty of arms to turn to in the back end of the pen, especially with Luizaga coming back. Legit left fielder, yeah. Goes without saying. I know this part may be boring, guys. I know I feel like I'm just like dragging my feet through this, but it's just, you know, names have flown off the market. The Yankees haven't done crap. A lot of other teams have done things. The Yankees are just sitting idly by. And they're currently losing 9-3 to in a very important game right now. So I'm just a little down right now. I don't really know what else to tell you for people saying, oh my God, Mike, you sound like you want to die right now. That's, uh... Stuff. It's a horrible night <laughs> for Yankees, at least. I've had a very nice day with my cousin before, but uh, the Yankees have not made this a fun evening baseball-wise, for sure. At DB Yankees 1 says, Find a taker for Severino. Agree. If Marlins up the ante, trade Torres. I'm convinced this isn't a championship team. Not looking for big acquisitions unless it falls in their lap. Yeah, nothing's going to fall into the lap of the Yankees. Nobody wants to go out of their way to help them, that's for sure. Find a taker for Severino. Yeah, agree. I think Severino's done here, especially after tonight. And if the Marlins up the ante, yeah, if they up the ante, but also what is also your plan, whether it be from the Marlins or something after that, to replace Glaber's bat. That's a big thing here. Because the offense that we all already cannot stand, a judgeless offense, like tonight when the Yankees nonsensically decide to not have him play at all, is going to be even worse without one of the more, basically the only consistent bat in the lineup that's been consistent for most of the time Judge was out when nobody else was consistent. So you need to replace it. What are you doing? What are your other plans? It's just not that easy to just say that, you know? At me, Alice A. 9 says, I hate to say this, but it's someone at the price of Tommy Pham or Grichuk. Remember last year's offseason, he got us all pumped up with the search of left field and did nothing. That's why we are where we are, always in miscalculation. It's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, Tommy Pham's another one. I guess Pham wouldn't be horrible, but I don't know. They're just better options. There were better options before. Just stinks. And Gritchuk is gone now. So, listen, I guess getting Tommy Pham, if you're not going to get Elaine Thomas, I guess getting Tommy Pham would be better than doing nothing. But you'd also have to see a Yankee Met trade go down, which is not too frequent, to say the least. So, it's another good mention, though, I guess. At Sneaker 2 Speaker says, Don't make any. Stay pat. No available player is going to push the needle towards an acceptable season. Give the kids more playing time and hope that Judge and Rodon help out. Well, I think Rodon will continue to find his footing. I think the last start was another step in the right direction after the disastrous Angels start. And, you know, Judge is Judge. He'll continue to do what he does. He's great. But, yeah, it's just, it's not a... I agree when you say right now, 
there probably aren't many more moves, if any, that would really move the needle that much for the Yankees. I've said that many times. I can't really necessarily 100% disagree with that. But it's a really bad look for the Yankees, who claim to be a championship-caliber team and and say they're looking for this and looking for that and and all the talk about not wanting to go over the luxury tax and you know just a couple of million dollars stopping them from making potential moves it's just embarrassing all of it's embarrassing it really is no yankee fan cares for hearing about the yankees wanting to stay under the luxury tax even if it means not making a move that could truly help them nobody wants to hear it no one so, I know it sucks. At Jerry JB seven 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 says, "I'm not sure who they can acquire, but they should be trading Sevy, unless they intend to sign him back. We're at the height of Torres's value, so trading him makes sense. And Bader, unless being re-signed, should also go. Wandy is also a free agent after this year. Sign him or trade him. Well, then by that logic, I guess you should also." include Peraza in deals, which, listen, if the Yankees don't have any true intentions to ever consistently use Peraza at the major league level, where he belongs and deserves to get a legitimate shot at for a longer period of time, then I would agree with that, like I said earlier in the show. But yeah, trading Sevy, yeah, I'm on board for that at this point, even if, even if it's for, quite frankly, nothing in return. I'm just being honest. I mean, he wouldn't really get you much anyway at this point, especially after tonight. And you're not wrong about Glaber being at the height of his value. You're not wrong about that. But again, what are you going to do to replace the bat? And what are you getting back? Bader, I tackled that before. Especially if they don't plan on... Yeah, especially if they don't plan on re-signing him. And yeah, just, just get rid of him then. I'll agree with that. Wandy, I, I do want to bring Wandy Peralta back. I think he's been very important for the bullpen. I do want to bring him back. Believe it or not. Some people may disagree with that. I, I'd like him back. At BF underscore Finster says, someone who can hit. <laughs> it's very helpful. Thank you. At MJI62166 says, fire Cashman. I'm on board with that. <laughs> I have been for some time. At A Train NYY says, what do I want? Juan Soto, Heimer Candelario, and Jordan Hicks. What do I expect? Dylan Carlson, Heimer Candelario, and some piece for the bullpen that we've never heard of. <laughs> You're very right. Yeah, probably. I really would not be surprised if the Yankees get Dylan Carlson. I've mentioned his stats on the show before. So if they get him at some point before Tuesday or even on Tuesday, then I guess when we speak next week, we'll go in on him again. I just don't feel like doing it right now, especially getting late into the show like we are. But yeah, Juan Soto's just definitely would let that go. And Jordan Hicks is off the market now as well. But yeah, that's, that's very likely to be the path that Cashman goes down because that's been what he's done for a while now. It's just what he's tended to do, the kind of path he goes down. All right, final two. First up, as usual, my girlfriend at Vic Salimo says, I think the need is for a left fielder and closing pitcher. They're both long overdue. Trade Glaber while he's at the height of his value, and it hurts me to say it, but trade Sevy too. He's shot. Oh yeah, left fielder, of course. Closing pitcher, I again, bullpen I don't really see as really one of the bigger needs for the Yankees, or a need at all, really. I just don't really see it. Not really on my list of priorities. Trade Glaber, again, I understand the people saying, yes, he's at the height of his value as of the last few years. I can't disagree with that. You are correct. But you also have to have a plan, 
as to how you're going to replace his bat. You need to have a plan. If it's all pitchers, yeah, that'd be appealing for the future of the Yankees for their pitching. But how are you replacing the bat? Again, are you getting someone else from the Marlins or are you making another deal with another team after that to get another bat? Got to have another plan. And trade Sevy, yeah, absolutely. He's he's just fried. And last but certainly not least, as always, is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, saying, Hi, Mike. Hey, Mom. These are the type of questions you know I'm not too good at answering when it comes to specific other names around the league, so I talk with you a bit about it before posting so as to not make myself sound like a complete idiot. <laughs> After the discussion with you, I guess it would be a good idea for the team to secure a proper left fielder. It changes so often, they don't even have a real one. I'd like to see someone more reliable and constant out there. As for the rest of this team, rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, my mom's not too confident about the Yankees overall and their chances at succeeding ultimately. And yeah, it's tough not to agree with that mindset because while I do think Judge being back helps to give the Yankees a bit of a better chance to at least make the playoffs, I've made it very clear from the very beginning of the year that I don't really think the Yankees are a championship caliber team. I do think they had some holes left and those have been Exposed greatly this season, I think it's safe to say. Regardless of the reason, whether it be certain guys being hurt or whatever, these are excuses that have been made for years now. But yeah, you saying what a lot of others have said is completely right, you know? Left fielder, it's been a position of need for a long time now. Long time. So we'll see if they do anything. But players continue to fly off the board, guys. That's just been what's going on. So we'll see if Cashman remains idle. Or if he does something completely underwhelming, which he has had the tendency of doing. And then they have to spend a while rationalizing and explaining to people as to why they did it and why it somehow makes them better, even though it's very obvious that they won't be made better by their moves. Or we'll get a move that we completely do not expect, one that confuses us a great deal. And we're just going to have to live with it. Regardless, next Sunday, we'll be back to talk about it. And it's been an interesting episode because beforehand, didn't know what was going to happen with the game today, had a discussion, excited about Judge, predicting that he'd sit today, and then having that confirmed after my little intermission in the middle of the show, because my cousin came over, had a great time with her, come back to the Yankees being down 9-3, Judge sitting, more guys flying off the trade deadline market, and here we go, <laughs> late Sunday night in the 10 o'clock hour as we head into a new week, tomorrow being the last day of July, as time continues to fly by, and another rhyme, and the Yankees now finding themselves at 55-50, and 50. the game just ended as I'm speaking now, final score 9-3 that we were talking about before, so didn't really have to do much recap into this one and won't have to recap it next week, because I very briefly covered it since it uh, wasn't much good to talk about. <laughs> But again, this week, no break coming up. Like I mentioned, got the Rays for three, starting right away tomorrow. All three games at 7.05 Eastern at Yankee Stadium. Yankees-Rays, we'll see if they can at least take advantage of this series, which they miserably failed to do in tonight's game, trying to win a series which would have been huge against the first-place Orioles in Baltimore if Luis Severino gave them more than just one chance to even have a remote shot at winning. That would have been nice. And if they also didn't sit guys like Judge and DJ on the same night. Really genius move right there, boys. So I got the Rays up for the next three. Let's see what they do there. And the next weekend, 7.15 on Thursday, 
705 on Friday, 105 on Saturday, and 135 next Sunday when we speak again will be against the Astros at Yankee Stadium. That ought to be interesting as well. And there are no pitching matchups as of right now announced for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday yet as far as the Yankees. Well, there are for the Rays tomorrow, Glasnow's pitching. And Tuesday, the Rays will have Eflin going. And then Wednesday, it says they'll have Shane McClanahan going. Great. Awesome. <laughs> uh, TBDs for the Yankees for those games. And obviously against the Astros, too. So, that's about it for episode 190, guys. That puts a bow on it, I think it's safe to say. Just like that. <laughs> like the episode title, that's it. Just like that, Judge came back. And that's a really good thing for the Yankees. Just like that, more moves being made at the trade deadline. Or heading up to the trade deadline, I should say. Players continuing to be dealt. The Yankees remaining idle. And uh, just like that, the episode's over. <laughs> so... <laughs> Remember to follow me on all socials, guys, if you do not already. Facebook fan page, at Mike Scudero NY. Twitter is at Mike Scudero, and Instagram is MikeScuds97. And if you have not already, please be sure to subscribe to all of the platforms that Yapping Yankees is available on. That's YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love on all four like you all always do such a good job at doing. And if you've missed any Yapping Yankees episodes from the past... Episodes 34 all the way up to episode 190 today are all available on YouTube and every single Yapping Yankees episode going back to episode 1 over 4 years ago all the way up to today are all available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Spotify. Once again, though, I thank you 3,000 as always for listening to me yap today, my good people. I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday August 6th, as I also prepare to leave that very same night for Italy when I come at you with episode 191 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, guys, you know the deal, especially with the Yankees, as far as they're concerned, especially with the deadline coming up. We'll see what happens with that. But hang in there. Be patient. Two big asks for the Yankee fans. (laughs) I understand that. Trust me. But also stay safe. Look out for your loved ones. Go ahead and kick life's ass this week, as always. Don't let the Yankees suck and make you do otherwise. And we'll see what happens against the Rays and the Astros. What could possibly go wrong in either of those series, right? And we'll see what Brian Cashman decides to do or not do before Tuesday's trade deadline. Should definitely be interesting to see if anything happens. And of course, we'll be right here next Sunday to talk about it all and where the Yankees are by the time these next two huge series are done. (laughs) Because again, what could possibly go wrong? And me? Well, even if the Yankees decide to continue to completely crap the bed throughout this week, I'm going to be too busy getting excited for Italy. So that's one thing that I have on my side. You try to find something on your side that makes you happy, even when the Yankees make you sad. That's the point of life, guys, you know? <laughs> you can't let this get to you too much, and when it is, then you got to find something else to do to get your mind off it. Your health comes first. Always remember, that's, that's why I always say, go ahead and kick life's ass this week. That's why I always say that at the end of every episode. Heed those words. But anyways, in any event, I will talk to you next weekend with hopefully more lively discussion. <laughs> Take care, my friends. <laughs> and let's go, Yanks. Yanks.